to Dr. Me First in another summer episode that I am recording with the amazing Dr. Lauren Sutton. She is a fellow board-certified family medicine physician. She's a coach. She's a physician executive. I love that. She does consulting, and she's an entrepreneur. She's one of my friends down in Texas in San Antonio. She completed her medical degree in Houston and did her family medicine residency in Corpus Christi. This girl is absolutely amazing. She has an MBA as well. She's been coaching for 10 years and does just life-changing work. I have the honor of knowing her through Physician Coaching Alliance. And recently, we had a conversation about elevator pitches and really getting to the heart of what we do and the people we want to serve and take care of. So we're going to jump into that today. So join me for this conversation. Sit back, get you some coffee and tea and snuggle in. All right, here we go. Hey, Dr. Laura, it's so great to see you here on the podcast today. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we're doing this. I know I had invited you and my schedule has been crazy and so glad that we've been able to make it work. Why don't you go ahead and tell the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic you're putting into the world? So I'm a family physician. I'm in San Antonio where I grew up. I am uh, I, I'm a coach, as you mentioned, and which I love doing I'm a lot of different things. I'm working on a book right now. So I'm a writer. And I just I really love taking care of the healers and caring for our caring population. I'm so energized by coaching women physicians specifically. I coach everybody, but I really feel very attracted to coaching women physicians because I feel like we have a unique story to tell. And a lot of times that story just gets buried. And so my role is to unbury that uncover that. It's a word that you mentioned a little while ago as we were talking before. And so how do we find our voice again? So that's that's my journey. And that's the journey that I want to want to guide other women physicians to. You find people who are using their PTO days to complete charts, but refuse to use them for actual like sick days or family emergencies. You help and you demonstrate what healthy boundaries look like in healthcare, because unfortunately, man, just this last week, I've seen it exhibited of, no, we need to buck up and be for the team and, you know, yada, yada, yada bullshit about working extra and putting more in when I've really been living by the mantra, which is do great work and go the fuck home. I love that. I yes. love that. Because it's so true, yeah. right? Yeah. Because otherwise it's do great work, do great work, do great work fall apart, and then start doing more great work again. Right, right. And there's no opportunity to recover, no opportunity to regenerate ourselves. I've been doing a lot of thinking and, and reading about just, this is not to make this a history lesson, but you know how the industrial revolution and, and our current society is really trying to turn us into factory workers and trying to get us to grind eight to five every day eight to five if we're lucky, right? As physicians, we know the job does not stop at 5 p.m. and start back up at 8 a.m. And so 
we're not these automatons. We're not robots. We don't have the, the capacity. I think we're really starting to see that right now. We don't have the capacity to just go, 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 never take a day off, never rest, never recover. And so it does, it breaks my heart when I hear somebody who I had a physician client who told me a story. This is before she started working with me, but that she got sick from something was went to the ER at night and was up all night in the ER, called her office in the morning, told the office manager, Hey, I've been up all night in the ER. I don't think I can come in today. And then office manager told her, you have to come in. You've got patients scheduled. And so she felt like she couldn't take the day off. She'd been up all night sick and hadn't slept and was still sick and went into work, felt like she didn't have another choice. And that's just heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking for me to see. And I know that's not a unique situation. So how do we change the conversation? How do we change the culture? How do we allow women physicians to step into their own power and take that back, take back their voice and say, no, this is not okay. It's not a question. I'm telling you, I'm not coming into work today. That's the conversation I'd like to see. The place of powerless is, in my opinion, one of the worst emotions and situations to sit in. When, yes. when you feel like you have no choice, you're not just stuck. You literally cannot move against the situation that you're in. I know I've personally experienced, which led to a total detriment of mental health, relationship. I mean, everything. Powerlessness affects everything. And so I know yes. that's one of your focus areas. Is it something that you've personally experienced too? And that's why you're so passionate about it? Or, or what's your relation to powerlessness? I have experienced it. I've experienced it personally. I've experienced it professionally. And it's like you said, it's, it's a terrible place to be because we don't even feel like we can start. We don't even feel like we can move forward or do anything. And often it takes an outside person like a coach or a mentor or a close friend, somebody who is, can see the situation and say, help us to understand that we're not powerless and help us to understand that we do have a voice. Because once we're in that phase, we can't even have the conversation with ourselves and have these discussions about, okay, how do I get my power back? We, we just we can't even see. It's like this completely dark place to be. And so a lot of times it does take a coach or somebody trusted to help pull us out from that and help us to realize, yeah, you do have a choice in this situation and to do it in a caring and loving way so that we're not, for me as a coach, the last thing I want to do is make the person feel like they're whining or complaining or anything of that nature. It comes from a very compassionate place and comes from a, a place of love. And I want to serve you and show you that there is a different way. Yeah. And no one likes to be, at, at least as a alpha female, I never want to be called a victim. But now that I've looked back in my past, I can see where I have been a victim to the system or to the social constructs or to the hidden curriculum of medicine. Like, no, if you want to be a good doctor, it looks and it sounds like this. And if you do anything other than then you are other. And so talk a little bit more about 
the victim mentality that you see with powerlessness in that loving, compassionate way, not from a, cause I, I think that phrase gets thrown around in a really nasty way, right. but I also believe I see very strong, intelligent alpha females as well, who are a victim, who have the medical director or the office manager who is like bullying them essentially and being like, no, you have to stay in this or their inner critic is so strong that they feel like they they have no other choices. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation that we're that we're seeing and hearing in the in the medical community and medical space about the impact of these cultural constructs and and the the corporatization of medicine and how that has had an impact on both physicians and patients because of, when it affects physicians, when it affects nurses, it's going to affect patients. And so how do we take that acknowledgement of, yes, the system is broken. The system clearly needs an overhaul. And we have a role to play in that. So, yes, we have been victimized. We have been, we've been struck down. We've been, we've been part of this system that has done horrible things to us, done horrible things to our patients. And so it's an acknowledgement of it and also a realization that, okay, now what do we do about it? And now how do we come together? How do we, how do we have a collective voice? How do we use our own power and create this movement that we can use to turn the medical system on its head? Because it's going to take all of us. And we've grown up in this system of you do your job, you get it done, you you don't complain. And I think there's a reckoning now, a realization that that's that kind of old way, that old mentality is just not going to work. And so how do we create this, this drive and this movement to, to shift the conversation? So it is a balance. And I hear people say that, well, I don't want to be labeled as a victim. And I, I think it's, when I, when I hear somebody say that, my question is, well, what's the meaning that we're assigning to it? If it means that I'm a victim and I can't, that means that I can't move forward, then that's, that's not the place that we want to be. But if it's an acknowledgement of, yeah, this, this should happen, then we can move forward from that. So I think it's just, it's a different starting place to be at. I find very often that I'm on this continuum where I do get down to the dumps and I, I do sit in that like victim mentality of, well, like I told you yesterday, it was a really hard clinic day for me. Lots of patients, but then there was so many email conversations happening that, you know, when you're seeing people, like, you're just catching what you can. But it felt overwhelming, you know, so woe am I versus mm-hmm. advocating for myself, doing what I think is right for my patient and my clinic and community, that then I'm on the other side of the continuum, and now I'm a disruptive physician. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, I personally struggle with that. I know so many other physicians struggle with that too, of like, it feels as though at times that it's this like yo-yoing kind of back right. and forth. How, from your perspective, do we like stay in the like well zone where <laughs> we're not yeah. in the dumps with as a victim, but then also like that we can keep that advocacy for what we think is appropriate and- yeah fight the system or change the system. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point is, is that 
you mentioned disruptive physician and folks can get that label as well. If they're, they're bucking the system, yeah, they're doing something different than they're disruptive and they want to come in at 7am and leave at 3pm every day. Now everybody else is going to want to do the same thing. And, and I think it's easy that, that fear of, like you said, of being other is really strong and really present. And I think it's a, it, it has to be an incremental change until we see it's a tipping point. And if we can advocate for ourselves in an environment that is going to be supportive and safe, it's much easier to do that. Unfortunately, not everybody works in that type of environment. So how do we, how do we find those environments? How do we find those people? How do we find tribes? And how do we find like your burnout to badass tribe? How do we find other people that are trying to do the same thing so that we can all support each other and help each other? offer advice, mentorship, coaching, whatever that looks like, so that we have the capacity and this the inner strength that we need. I've had a day like yours yesterday, I had a day like that on Friday where it wasn't it wasn't a super busy day, but I was feeling really sorry for myself for a number of different reasons. And I found myself going to some coping mechanisms, social media, food, some of the things that we do, kind of this, yeah, woe is me. And then after a day of that, Saturday, I woke up and I was like, all right, all right. So I had a woe is me day. I had a day that I needed to kind of wallow and I'm done wallowing. And now what am I going to do about it? And so I still find myself wallowing. And I think it's unrealistic to say, well, we're never going to wallow, but how quickly can we get out of it? How quickly can we recognize it and, and realize, yeah, I've got to, I'm going to be my best self so that I can be a better human being for other people. I need to snap out of it a little bit. So, yeah, cause we can't, we can't wallow, but we also can't stuff our feelings either. You have right. to feel the feels. Exactly. Exactly. My my rule of thumb is I give myself 24 hours. Yeah. I give myself 24 hours, but I know if I isolate or numb down longer than that, then it's going to go to an unhealthy place. And yeah. just to, let's just share some coping skills that we have. So just thinking of, of the shit sandwiches that I have had to be a part of in the last couple of weeks, one of mine is is like, and it's okay to take a nap. Yeah. Now don't stay in bed for 12 hours all day. You know, you got to get up and I try to get myself outside because that definitely helps me. But I really try to give myself the self-compassion because I know when I get overwhelmed, when the feelings get really big, that I just, I kind of physically need to just like shut my brain off and just kind of just try to get some sleep and some rest so that my body at least feels powerful enough to get up and move. Right. It's one of your coping skills. We'll go back and forth. Yeah. I think I just, I want to, I actually made a list because Good. because I realized I've made a list on my phone. I'm pointing at my phone because I realized, I think that you made a really great point about stuffing, you know, wallowing and stuffing. I realized in my wallowing, I was, I was stuffing and I wasn't allowing myself to feel the feelings. And I know the difference in myself now I've done the inner work. I've done enough kind of of this emotional resilience or whatever word you want to call it to understand when am I stuffing and when am I feeling them? And I was, I was stuffing. We all go, we all go through it. Right. And so I recognized again, Saturday when I woke up and I was like, okay, I was stuffing my feelings and I, I've gotten to a point where I can tell the difference between that overwhelm of this is too much for for me to handle right now. I need to do something to kind of 
like you said, get away from it? And then when am I in a safe place where I can say, okay, I'm, I'm, I can handle whatever comes up. I'm going to feel my feelings. So it's that balance. It's that, not, not the balance, but knowing where, where you are. And so, yeah, it's, it's all about kind of learning where, where I'm at and what do I need to do to either feel the feelings or kind of take myself away. So one of mine is uh, take 10 minute walk. That's one of the things that I do when I'm stuck. Yeah. I love it. One of mine is get outside. So either go play with all my crazy animals at Wiseman Farms. I literally keep a lawn chair out in the alpaca pasture. Uh Just go sit sometimes. Just go sit. And have a sit is what I tell my kids. Because again, we all have those numbing coping skills. Whether it's like, I'm just going to watch something on Netflix or scrolling or watching videos or... Even I think some folks use positive things as numbing exercises, like I'm going to go for a run um, and are doing it to excess. Food is a great one example as well. I 100% know that that's mine. Alcohol. I was talking to one of my nurses at work and she's like, when can we get together and have a like wine o'clock weekend? And I just had to tell her like, I don't, I don't do that because I know it leads to bad places for me. Right. But, and like you said, it's, it's recognizing that you're numbing, knowing that's in some circumstances, like that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then also recognizing like, okay, now we're done with this. Now we're far enough away from the issue that we can really be in a accurate thinking state. Because like right. when you're emotionally charged and stuff, like, Sometimes there's just no thinking through. And if your brain's like my brain, it's going 10,000 miles a minute. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And judging myself for it the whole time. I should be working. I should be doing something else. I have too much on my plate. My to-do list is too long. And it's I don't have time to stop and take a walk or something along those lines. Yeah. Judging myself and beating myself up, which just adds to it. (laughs) All right. So you said 10-minute walk. What's your next thing? So my next one is to meditate for five minutes. Okay. What type of meditation do you do? I usually do a guided one. The app I like is called 10% Happier. So I'll do a guided one on there. What I, one thing I really wanted to do when I made this list is I wanted to be specific. So I didn't want to have to decide. Like I didn't want to say meditate because then I would be rolling over in my mind. Well, how long do I meditate for? Five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I wanted to, what's the simplest thing that I can do? in those moments, meditate for five minutes. Using this specific thing. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's super great. Okay. I guess it's my turn now. Another one of the coping skills I do that has been hard to integrate into my life is get a hold of a friend. Like I tend to be like, I can handle everything on my shoulders. I don't need people. I shouldn't be emotionally dumping on them. But to just like send a text and say like, I'm not okay, when are you available to talk has so, it so much has helped because I know that person's a safe person. I'm not like blowing up their phone. I'm asking when they're available. And I'm also like recognizing I do need some help that maybe doesn't come intrinsically inside of me. 
Yes, that's on my list too, is text a 4 a.m. friend. That 4 a.m. concept, I heard that at, actually it was American Academy of Family Physicians Conference last year. It was a, a lecture on connection and how we can build connections. And they asked, one of the actions they asked us to do is to create a list of people that you can text at 4 a.m. that would respond to you and, and be fully there for you. And so I wanted to make sure that I was, again, specific enough so that I have a few people in mind that if I say, hey, I just need to, to vent right now, or do you have a few minutes to talk, or I'm having a rough day, can you send me a funny meme or something like that, that these folks would respond. You know, one thing I've been using my technology for that, I got a new car, and it's like does all the magic with your phone, like as soon as you sit in the seat. And so I've been going through and favoriting my 4 a.m. people so that when it like pops up on my car, like if I need to get, I'm like, oh yeah, it's like a visual reminder. Like I have these people at Mm -hmm. my fingertips if I need them. Because sometimes when you're in that state, it's just like, and you, yes. Yeah. So yeah. Using your technology for the right thing. Yeah. Okay. So texting, getting hold of a friend, getting support. What's your next one? So I also have a power nap on here and I also have snuggling with my dog because he's, he le- he's just the biggest, the best snuggler in the whole world. Just makes me feel better every time. I think having something tactile like that, like a weighted blanket, or if it is a live fur baby or a really soft pillow, or I have a place in my office, it's an old worn brown uh, leather chair that you just like can get in it and snuggle in it and mm-hmm. it just feels good i'm i (laughs) i don't always like all the body work stuff you know like the feel Mm -hmm. the feels in your body but that is one thing that i recognized is like as children my kids love blankies and and they are grown and they don't need blankies anymore but they still love them it's like it is a hundred percent okay to recognize your humanism and to desire comfort Mm -hmm. exactly so yeah, like allowing ourselves to go there so that we don't continue to be superhero demigods who have no feelings, who are, you know, do no evil, see no evil physicians to say like, right. yeah, I'm human too. Right. That's a biological need for warmth and comfort and safety and shelter and all those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's next on your list? listen to my Amazon playlist. I made a playlist of songs that make me happy. Just a a few songs that no matter what's going on, I listen to it and it, I I feel better as a result of listening to it. What kind of, are they rock songs? I know you're in Texas. Are they country songs? What are, what is the genre of these songs? I have the song that my daughter and I just both love that Bill Withers song, Lovely Day. That's Uh such a good song. I do have some Eminem on there just because he makes me laugh. And I like to, I like to, to curse along with the song. Fuck yes. <laughs> um, I think I have that song, Shut Up and Dance. That's just yeah. a happy song. A couple other upbeat, upbeat songs. Coldplay, U2, I think are on there. So This is yeah. one for everyone. It's called I Love the 90s on Amazon. Oh. I will, it's one, you know, Amazon came up with and it's out there. I am a... I, I am so eclectic and all over the place. I love alternative rock. I'm like emo on the inside, definitely. So I'll play some of that from like the 90s, early 2000s, just because it's nostalgic as well. Yeah. 
Which makes me feel, I heard someone the other day call me a geriatric millennial and I wanted to just vomit on their face. But anyway, and I'll also go, I'll also go sass with some Lizzo. I'll go, I love me some Cardi B. So I think it's, again, it's like breaking the invisible rule book in your head to be like, oh no, this is what, insert whatever good is. And, right. and, like, just try all sorts of things. I even have, like, certain mariachi bands that I follow. Yeah. Um, I'll get up and, and do do a little bit of that. So, yeah, music. Definitely. Yeah. Music is very cathartic and healing for me, for sure. I was reading a thing, too, that says you shouldn't, like, if you think classical music is, like, where it gets you into, uh, like, a working state, they've actually proven, like, Actually, it doesn't. It's more distracting, and you should listen hmm. to songs you're familiar with. But I'm not going to lie. I do love the classical take that the Bridgerton soundtrack has, where they take like modern-day songs but then turn them into orchestras, if anybody yeah. hasn't seen that. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'll have to check it out. Okay, we're getting distracted. Anything else on your list <laughs> that we can offer to our audience? Those are the big ones. I, I put also do t- do two sun salutations. Sun salutations. Sometimes I, I'm an, I, I'm a runner, and I I, I want to stay active and moving. And sometimes I just don't feel up for it that day, or don't have time. And so, Absolutely. even if I can do five minutes and two sun salutations, I will have done something, and it feels good. I so. keep stuff around the house for that exact reason, like hand weights. And I'll do like, let's just touch your toes five times. Like really break right. it down small. Right. And yeah. as a prior collegiate athlete, I have a lot of issues around that. Because like a workout yeah. is, you know, getting warm, getting stretched, then doing the actual workout and then doing core after the workout. And then maybe you need to go lift or do something. Like, and I've just had right. to like realign that like, Moving your body and exercising can look like a million different things. And if I'm touching my toes five times, I'm at least stretching my hamstrings and I'll feel a little bit better. So yes, I love that you break it down small as well. For the folks that might be sitting out there who have related to what we're saying, who are in a place where they feel powerless, how do they come through that? What's your tips and tricks? Yeah, I think reaching out to somebody trusted is so important. This isn't something that we can go at alone. And you're not alone if you feel that way. And it might feel that you are. Chances are there's somebody around you who feels it too. And so that would be something that would be really helpful. Reach out to somebody, a friend, a coach, a mentor. Someone. Partners, somebody and talk it out. Yeah. Isolation goes hand in hand with powerlessness. Like, yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to have these communities. The Burnt Out to Badass group is not huge, but it is powerful when you get yes. into it. Same thing with like Physician Coaching Alliance. It's not a huge group. Yeah. But let me tell you, you get in there and you say, I need help. And you're going to have so many hands raised to say like, and I'm here for you. Yes. So I'm with absolutely. you. Connection yeah. is the antidote. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, lady, tell me what projects you're working on. You mentioned your book. Tell us what's happening in your life and maybe how people can connect with you. Yeah. 
I am working on a book. The working topic is around time management geared towards women physicians. Time management touches on so many different aspects of life that it might morph and that's okay, but I'm super excited about it. And so hopefully that will come out either later this year or early next year. I am open for one-on-one coaching and taking new clients. So I am, I have a Facebook page, Purposeful MD um, can be found there. I'm also on TikTok and Instagram as the Purposeful MD. And I would just say my, so my website is the purposefulmd.com. You can reach out to me there. So yeah, or just want to talk about life and all these things that we've talked about. I feel like I could talk about it all day. So I'd love to engage in a conversation with somebody. I love it. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming, for joining me. And I just want to remind you and everybody out there, the badass in me totally honors the badass in you. Thank you. So good to talk to you. friend. So my word of the year for 2023 is going to be slacking for two reasons. One, I am really going to pull back the throttle in 2023 and see what life is like when I just do enough, not extra, not overboard, not overworking, burning myself out, burning candle at both ends, slacking. Something I don't think I've really ever done my entire life. I'm excited about it, but I'm also worried, of course, (laughs) the classic OCD overworker, how this is going to be. The other reason that slack is going to be my word in 2023 is that's where I'm going to hang out. You're not going to see me in a lot of new places. I'm just going to be waiting for you in my DMs on Slack. Yeah, I'll probably occasionally post on Instagram and still send out a few emails But you're going to see a change in Burnt Out to Badass and Dr. Me First. You're going to just see me waiting willingly and quietly in the corner for those who are ready for help. No more blasting lots of advertisements and marketing and pushing people. When you're ready, you'll come and we're going to see how it goes. So there you go. That's my word for the year. How about you? Have you picked a word? I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email. Better yet, send me a DM in Slack. Or maybe you want to join me and let's make this the year of slacking. All right, friend. Remember, if work is your drug, rest is your recovery. Come over and hang out with Slack and me and start slacking off a little bit in life.